Good morning. Uh, Pastor Shannon is uh, out of town, so I have the privilege of sharing God's word to you. If you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Matt Coyne. I am the, as I like to say, the youth guy here. Uh, and this morning, well, so over the past year, we've been going through First uh, Corinthians, and we're going to continue that this morning. Uh, we're going to be in what Andrew just read, chapter 6, uh, verses 12 through 14. But before we really dig into the message, I'm going to walk over here. And I'm going to walk back. Okay, so um, before we really dig into that, uh, we are going, I, I know there's people, if you're like me, you like to know what's going on. Uh, you like to know that I'm not going to keep you here all day. You like to have that control. So I'm going to give that to you here. Uh, and I want to tell you a little bit about what's going to happen uh, throughout the next uh, little bit of time. So we're going to be doing the what, so what, and now what. We're going to be talking about what, what is Paul trying to say? So what? So we know what he's saying. What does it mean? Why is it such a big deal to our Christian walk? And then now what? And the last half of the message is going to focus on this now what of the, mess, or of the morning. And, and I want to leave you with three now what's that I hope that you can apply to your life as you live an everyday life in this world, in this culture, in this society, but you are continuing to try to grow closer to the Lord and trying to strengthen your relationship with him. So that's what this morning is going to look like. And so the what part, or so what, the what, so not the so what, the what part, um, what we're going to do is actually read through 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 14 again, but we're going to do it in the interpretation of Matt. So something from my mind, I hope it doesn't leave you more confused. I hope that it clears things up. And let me tell you how I got to this. I read many translations over this past week because I think people read this passage and think, wait, is Paul repeating himself here? What is he saying? Why is he talking about food? Why is he talking about the stomach? What is going on here? So through all this, I came up with this interpretation, and I hope that it clears it up a little bit for you this morning. So starting in verse 12, And again, remember, this is Paul writing. I can hear what you're saying. You say, for me, all things are permitted. I have the right to do what I want. Okay, so you say, for me, all things are permitted. I have the right to do what I want. Uh, I'm sorry, there's, okay. Here's my response. Okay, you're, uh, you're right. You have the liberty to do what you want, but for me, I won't let anything control me. I won't let anything except Jesus have master over me. Now, I know some of you say, what's the big deal? The body is only temporary. Food is meant for the body and body for food. It doesn't affect our spirit and eternity. And though you're right about the body being temporary, it doesn't give you freedom to stuff your face like pigs and indulge in sexual immorality like like you have all been doing. I know these things are, quote, what everyone is doing, but you are a child of God. God has created your body with a beautiful purpose and cares for your body. Your body is for the Lord and should be used to glorify him and share his good news. Didn't God raise Jesus' body from the grave? Didn't he renew his body? Yes, and he will do the same for you. Jesus told us that our bodies will be raised again. So, I hope this clears up a little bit about Paul's not repeating himself. He's, he's talking about the thought, the mindset that the Corinthians had. He's talking about, you say this, and 
you're right, you do have this freedom. You're right, you know, about these things. But, and we're going to talk about how Paul challenges their train of thought. So, there, you know, we need to understand that the, the people of Corinth had this really messed up idea of their Christian liberty. Now, I want to just veer off a little bit because I'm going to use the term Christian liberty a few times this morning, and I want to make sure you understand what Christian liberty is. So I have this threefold definition of what Christian liberty is. So when you hear it, you know what I'm talking about. So the first part of the definition is freed from the penalty of sin by faith in Jesus Christ. The second definition, freed from the power of sin in one's life by daily faith in Jesus Christ as Lord of one's character and conduct. And the third, freed from the Jewish law of Moses and that the law only exposes sin in one's life but doesn't actually forgive sin. I'll keep this up for a couple minutes for uh, you note takers uh, for you to know what we're talking about. So what was going on is that they were taking this Christian liberty that they had, and they were turning into something that made them possible, made it possible that they could have more fun according to what society says, according to what culture says. They were taking this and saying, well, this, we want this to favor us on the worldly side of things. The thing that doesn't sound like our culture at all, at all huh? But seriously, we can form, uh, many times we can form, <clears throat> excuse me, our Christian Hold on. I've been, I've been finding it cold all week. So uh, we've been taking this Christian liberty that we have and going, well, you didn't say we couldn't, so it's okay. Or, well, you said this, but what you really meant was that. And what the people of Corinth were doing was taking the teachings of Paul and ultimately Jesus's teachings and, and turning it into a way that they could benefit them. Well, you know, the, the, we're forgiven of our sins because of this redeeming love of Jesus, and we don't have the old, old laws of Moses anymore, so as long as we're not breaking the law, what's the big deal? And we, parents, you're saying, wow, this sounds really familiar. How often do my kids do this? And my daughter, Marabella, she's five years old. Now, first, I'm not saying my sweet little Marabella is anything like the people of Corinth. But um, at a young age, we learn to do this. And here's what I'm talking about. So a few months back, uh, Brittany, my wife, walks into the kitchen to find Marabella playing with toys. And now Marabella knows the rules. And Brittany goes, Marabella, what's the rules about toys in the kitchen? And she goes, no toys in the kitchen. So she cleans them all up, and she takes them to her playroom. So a few hours later, Brittany walks back into the kitchen only to find Marabella sitting in a bin, pretending that it's a boat of some sort. Of some sort. And, and Brittany, a little bit more stern, stern this time, goes, Marabella, what is the rules about toys in the kitchen? And Marabella looks up at her innocently and goes, Mommy, you said no toys in the kitchen. You didn't say no bins in the kitchen. So Brittany has this look of touche kid and has to explain to her what she meant. And this is what the people of Corinth were doing. And what we do on a daily basis, we say, well, God, you, you said this, but you didn't say I couldn't do that. And, you know, what, what's happening is we let what culture says is the right way of living define who we are. And as we learned, as we learned over the last few weeks, over the last year, really, that Corinth was this really happening place. There was theater. There was a lot of fun. It was really kind of like the Hollywood of Bible times, if you will. And, and the people of Corinth were saying, I want to be part of that. So again, what they did was they said, okay, here's what's going on. 
And the body's temporary, so that's not a big deal. I mean, we're forgiven if we mess up. As long as it's under the law, we can do this. And Paul is going, are you kidding? Is that what you got out of it, huh? No, that is not what this is about. It's not about you could say what you want, do what you want, have sex with who you want, um, be part of these hobbies, be part of these actions. Paul's going, you have it all wrong. And so what Paul does is he writes this part of this letter to the Corinthians, and that's what we're going to go through now. So we're going to do the so what, and we're going to go through this really verse by verse. Now, we're not going to uh, go in order, because of course I can't do anything in order. Um, We're going to go through it in a kind of a, a chopped up order. But the reason I'm doing it this way is because many scholars, theologians who have broken this apart, who are way smarter than I'll ever be, uh, do it this way, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And it makes sense because as we go through, for you to grasp what's going on, what Paul is saying, you're going to start to be like, ah, okay, I get it, I get it. And at least I hope that's how it is for this morning. So what we're going to do is I'm going to kind of dim the rest of it and then highlight and bold and underline for you to see where we are in the passage and what we're talking about. So the first is the body is for the Lord. That's pretty simple. Your body was given to you by the Lord and therefore should be used for it. So it's simple. I mean, moving forward as we unpack this, it's really important to know that the way you take care of your body, what you show with your body, the actions that you have without a shadow of a doubt should glorify God in all that you do. The next part, just moving right over, is the body or the Lord is for the body. So Paul is saying, not only is the body for the Lord, not only should it be used for the Lord and that he should work through you to show his love, it is also the Lord is for the body, that he cares about the body. In just a few verses in 19, you'll be talking about this next week, Paul talks about the body being a temple of the Lord. So the idea that the body is really nothing and I know some of you are like, Matt, I've never thought of this in my life. Like, what do you, think of it this way, that you're to a, you have this mindset of, I'm living in this culture, times have changed, I can, I can turn things around to make it fit me and fit this culture. And that's kind of what they were doing. So yes, maybe you've never had the thought of, well, my, I know I'm supposed to glorify God, but to have this idea that we're, we need to use it in all that we do through our voice, through our actions, through, what, you know, through all that to glorify God. The next part, and will also raise us up by his power. This is the part of the passage that should like, make us pause and think what Paul is saying here. So our bodies are for the Lord. The Lord is for the bodies. So much so that he's going to raise them up again that they're going to be restored. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. He says, Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And this is, he's talking right after, right before this, he's saying, those who have already died, who have gone before us, are going to be raised up. I, I have bad news for you that everyone in this room is going to die. Our bodies are going to decay. They're going to rot. And though that's going to happen, they're still going to be raised up. Just like God used the power to raise Jesus from the grave, that is going to happen 
to us. So you, you get what I'm getting at now, that it's a big deal. It's a big deal how we radiate the love of God to the people around us. And the next part, food is for the stomach and stomach for food. And this is the one that I think, uh, you know, we, we look at, we're like, okay, we've dug into it this far. This is kind of being contradictory to what God is, what Paul's trying to talk about. He's saying, is he saying that the, that the body's really only good for processing food, really only to get us through the day-to-day motions of life, and that's it? But he says this because this is how the Corinthians were living. They were using this as an excuse to be gluttons, to treat their bodies like amusement parks, to diminish the bodies that God gave them in order to stay in social acceptance. And this was most likely a slogan. Well, this was a slogan of the Corinthians. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food. Let's eat. And Paul tried to clear this up for him. And he goes back to sexual immorality, which we talked about in depth last week. And Pastor Shan, I'm glad it was him and not me because he did an awesome job explaining it. But Paul goes right back to it here and says, you say that this is what the body is for, all these things, but it's not. It's to glorify God. The Corinthians even got so deep in this misconception that in, in just a few chapters, or just a chapter back in five, uh, chapter 5, verse 2, they brag about incest in the church. In chapter 11 and verses 5 or 6, they talk, uh, Paul talks about people getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They have complete, why do they do this? Because they have completely lost track of what God has called them to do because they're living in this culture that has mistreated the physical body in a way that's saying, as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. I have something to tell you that culture does not care. The world does not care about your walk with Jesus. They care that you, they want you to be happy because a happy consumer, you know, we know what happens. So they become enslaved by these and become controlled by these ridiculous ideas. Hashtag America again. So now let's jump back to verse 12. Everything is permissible for me. A few other translations, all things are lawful. I have the right to do anything. I'm allowed to do anything. Again, some other ways that other translations put it. Paul writes this because, again, this is another slogan that can't talk about to do. I do what I want. And he's saying, okay, you can say that. You know, I'm not breaking the laws. Okay, but is it beneficial to God? Is what Pastor Shannon put up on the screen last week, are these beneficial to God? Are they worthy of the gospel? Are some of these, I say some of these, necessarily illegal? No, but are they beneficial to the kingdom of God? Are they worthy of the gospel? For the last half of the message, we're gonna, I'm going to give you my, the three now what's, and that's the first one. It's not all things are worthy of the gospel. And I want to get real with this this morning because I think so many times that we say, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. But when I, I like to give examples because maybe you're not struggling with this, but it's going to spark something saying, I didn't realize this, I didn't realize that. Or, you know, Matt's not talking about these crazy things. He's talking about everything that we do. And some of these examples, you're like, whoa, I didn't realize that I had, these were enslaving me, these were having control over me. So the first is, can you leave here today after church, go over to uh, the movie theater and watch a rated R movie? If you're 17, by law, absolutely you can. But 
Is it worthy of the gospel? Is what you're watching, can you walk out of that place and be like, whoo, man, that was worthy of the gospel? Or are you walking out of there saying, wow, that message of sex, of violence, of drugs, extravagant lifestyles, or whatever that is, was, was that worthy of the gospel? The next, uh, can you leave here? If you're 21 years old, can you leave here, go over to uh, Door County Brewery and have a beer after church? Absolutely. It's legal. But is it worthy of the gospel? Are you going to go there saying, I'm just going to have one, but you know inside you're going to have more? And not only that, but it's going to continue the next day and the next day. And it's taking you away from your family, it's taking you away from your walk, from God. And you're saying, This doesn't have control over me. Oh, really? Is it worthy of the gospel? Is it okay? Is it legal for you to leave here today, go down to Green Bay, and go shopping at the mall? Yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are. But when you get inside, you're going to spend and spend and spend because you have this addiction to shopping. But let me take this a step further. You're standing in the, in the changing room, tearing yourself apart because you think you look good in nothing, and you're listening to what culture has said about how you should look, what you should buy, how you should buy it, and, and you start to f- feed into these lies. And before you know it, you're buying all these things because you're like, well, I need this and I need that. And this doesn't look good, but maybe this will with this and this. And, then, and what's happening is you are forgetting that you are a child of God and that you are letting culture define your body. And you have fully let this control you because you have forgotten the love of Jesus and you've forgotten to say, is this worthy of the gospel? All right, one more. Thursday, Thursday night, I think, is uh, trivia. Go to trivia. Uh, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. But you know that, men, when you go there, that you're going to start lustfully looking at other women. That you know that you're like, oh, this is just thought. It's just a thought. I mean, it's not a big deal. And we're going to talk more about thoughts here in just a second. But you start to look at these women, and before you know, you say, it's never going to turn into action. But it does. And so I hope you know what I'm getting at, that innocent things that we do on a daily basis we let culture say, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's what makes you happy. It's, it's what you like. And then before we know it, it's having control over us. We're idolizing it. And we're putting that in front of our walk with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Again, can you walk on a daily basis and say, this is for the glory of God? Paul says it right here. I hope you don't think that I'm attacking this morning in the way you live. I'm just preaching what the Bible says, and I hope that you get that, that you understand that Paul is saying it here, and the Bible is true. It's always going to be true. We're going to talk about that here in a couple seconds as well. But what you are doing is it for the glory of God. And you know what? For point two, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And this is kind of point 1A and point 1B because they go so close together. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. The Corinthians were letting culture define them. They took the Christian liberty that they had through Christ, completely blew it out of proportion. The the Corinthians completely lost sight of the purpose and plan that they had through Jesus. They said, again, we're no longer slaves to these old laws. We're no longer slaves to, to sin because we're forgiven, we're redeemed. And this is how they started to live that this was something that 
was no longer temporary. This was eternal. I told you I was going to come back to the thoughts thing. You've probably heard this saying, your thoughts become your words, your words become action, action become habit, habits become values, and values become destiny. We're going to say eternity here. Is this, what starts, this is what's starting to happen with the people of Corinth, that these thoughts that they're trying to change the Christian liberty they have through Jesus Christ, and they're making it into something that will benefit them on the worldly side of things. And then what happens is these thoughts become their words, which becomes their actions, their actions become their habits, habits become values, and values become eternity. <laughs> they're just like us, Right? This idea of I can do what I want because I'm not breaking the law. I can do what I want because culture says it's okay. Are you letting this be, these thoughts become your words, become your actions, habits, values, and ultimately destiny? I have a challenge for you. Instead of thinking of, am I, am I permitted to do this? Um, did somebody, I mean, they said I could do this, but they really meant this. Or they said I could do this, but they, you know, they didn't say I could do this. And it doesn't break the law. Instead of having that mindset, I always think that's such a negative mindset. Why don't you have a mindset of, am I glorifying God in all that I do? Just because I can doesn't mean that I should. And you're going to find yourself starting to live more and more like Jesus on a daily basis when you live this out and know that I am glorifying God in all that I do. Please, you know, they let this idea just completely, just completely enthrall them. Please don't let that happen. Please don't let it, please know what enslaves you. Know what controls you. Don't take your mind off of God's love for you. Don't be fooled into thinking that because culture says you can means you should. Let God define you, which is our third now what? Let God define you. Be who God created you to be and don't listen to what culture says. Though we live in this world, this culture, society, we cannot be conformed to it. Many of you probably, some of you are like, that sounds familiar. That's from Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this age, but the transforming, or by, I'm sorry, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. You know what I love about this verse? We just talked about the thoughts thing, but be, be, but be transformed by the renewing of your, what's it say? Mind. It starts with your thoughts. It starts that knowing that you are defined as a child of God, that God loves you with this unmatched love, unwavering love, a love that you cannot find anywhere else. You can't find it in culture. You can't find it with with anything that we're talking about. It is in your relationship with God. A slogan that we live by that drives me up a wall is, well, the Bible isn't relevant because times have changed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, it's not. It, it is, cultures are going to come and go. Societies are going to come and go. Nations are going to come and go. But the kingdom of God, it, it's, it's legit. It's here. God is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. The Bible should be the rod and standard that we live on on a daily basis. God created each of us for a purpose. And I can tell you this, it's not to be enslaved by the things that we read about last week and this week. As a child of God, he created you to be part of this world. It says it. You, you got to be in this world. 
but by the transform by the renewing of your mind by transforming that that you are a transforming kingdom changing eternity changing presence in all that you do remember uh last week if you were here pastor shannon talked about the fruits of the spirits the fruits of the spirits are love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and if what you are doing in your life is not showing these in pure Christian love, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay, sorry. Um, I thought it sounded really cool, but it didn't. Wow. Anyways, so when I was in middle school, I learned about the fruits of the Spirit with a song that is really theologically sound and deep. So someone, someone yell out your favorite fruit. Not of the Spirit, just an actual fruit. Watermelon. Okay, so this is how the song went. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, I don't sing, so don't judge me. Charlie, this isn't my tryout. Okay. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. If you want to be a watermelon, you might as well here. Can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. I, Charlie, I'm getting there. I think that you'll see this in the next couple weeks on a Sunday morning. Um, I mean, it's, it's good. So anyways, I don't sing this for you to hear my terrible voice or for to say 20 years later, I still can rat off the fruits of the spirits probably quicker than most people. I say this for a much serious reason, more serious reason. Fill it in. The fruit of the spirits, not sexual immorality, lust, squandering, idolatry, drunkenness, verbal abuse, swindlers, Anger, lying. The fruit of the spirits are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Don't let culture define who you are. Let God define who you are. A child of God, loved by a creator who loves you unconditionally and has placed you here with a plan and purpose. Yes, I keep saying this over and over because I want you to understand this. Don't let culture say that the Bible isn't relevant. You are a child of God, and on a daily basis, according to 1 Corinthians 10.31, you live and do what you do for the glory of God in all that you do. Is this going to take a lot of work to get to that point for some of us? Absolutely. Will you find yourself struggling to realize, huh, I'm not doing all that I do for the glory of God. I'm really living this just because I can means I should. And is that okay? Absolutely. Because not all things are worthy of the gospel. And because of that, you need to know that culture does not define you. I, you, you, I've said this enough. I hope you're getting this. God defines you as a create, and has created you with a purpose and a plan, glorifying God with the fruits of the spirits and all that you do in pure Christian love.